Hashtag welcome to E3. So, so we're at the end of our annual Pathways journey, our Pathways uh, discipleship journey, uh, finding what matters. And today, really want to talk about what happens beyond Pathways. How do we take what we found, what matters? And if you remember, we talked about five things that we believe the Bible teaches that really matter in this life that we uh, are expression of, uh, our expression of worship. And out of our expression of worship, we uh, invite people into having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people uh, to uh, connect in biblical community that we call connectivity here, connecting people with biblical community. And then discipleship, just teaching one another how to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And then finally, serving uh, and being the tangible hand of Christ in this lost and hurting world. And how do we uh, take this kind of uh, knowledge and, and put it into practice? How do we make it part of our lives? Because the reality is, uh, knowing something and actually doing something is two entirely different things. How many people know, amen, how many people know that you should probably save for retirement, right? All of us know that. How many here are shocked if I told you that M&Ms and Coca-Cola may not be a balanced diet. Right. I, that, that, that there's, a, there's a difference between knowledge and uh, uh, application. So the past uh, six weeks, we've, we've talked a lot, of, you know, a lot of information, but how do we put this into practice? And that's why we had the ministry fair um, to hopefully expose you guys to different things that we do here at the church. What are our activities? Uh, if you missed that, um, sorry, hashtag sorry. And, uh, um, but we're going to talk about it so you get more information about it. But I want to really press upon you that there is so many cool things going on in our church. And, and to be able to take kind of what you know and to put it in, into practice. I have a dear friend um, in California who likes to say that he believes that Christians are educated way beyond their obedience level. That's strong, huh? I'd like to steal that and say, that's what I came up with, but it's not true because that would be a lie. <laughs> Hashtag lie. So, so, but, you know, this understanding that, you know what, we... We like to feast and get fed and, 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 and eat on all this spiritual truth, but we don't do anything with it. And by, and a lot of us, you know, we just, we become just consumers of the word, but we don't become doers of the word. And today, what I hope to do is inspire you. If you are not actively being the expression of the gospel, the expression of Jesus Christ that, uh, is in the context of the body of Christ, the church, that I hopefully you will take a step in that direction, an active step in moving toward being that expression. So if you've 
been around E3 for any length of time, you know that one of my life verses, one of the verses that really, really inspire me and, and motivate me and frame a lot of my worldview is Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is such a powerful scripture in my life. And I got to tell you, originally when I kind of locked in on this scripture, I looked at it as a individualistic thing. But that's not what it says, does it? No. I mean, think about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us right, anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things that he planned for us a long time ago. And the beautiful thing about a masterpiece is it's not perfect, right? The Mona Lisa is not perfect, right? Yes, I mean, there, there are imperfections, but it is a masterpiece. And I love this idea of, of masterpiece when when God has created us as the body of Christ, when we come together, we are a masterpiece created by Jesus Christ to do the things that he has called us to do a long time ago. And that, that's not just, that, and that's so freeing to say, you know what, it's not only up to me. I don't have to do everything. But I have to do my part as part of the body of Christ and that may be tangibly serving, that may be giving, that, you know, financially, that may be welcoming people uh, and being hospitable, that could be teaching or counseling, all of these different things. But together as we come together, that we are the full expression, at least we're meant to be, the full expression of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, right here in Tallahassee and throughout the world. And I believe to my core that when the church is operating in a biblical, healthy way, that no darkness can prevail. Or as Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church as an expression of Jesus Christ. And it is a beautiful thing. And a lot of times, though, I think that we get hung up because we don't know what we're meant to do, how we're meant to be part of the body of Christ. And a lot of times, we, we conceptualize this and we hear language that, that kind of puts us a step back. Have you ever heard, uh, you know, has anybody ever asked you, like, what's your calling? Whenever I have heard so many, I, you know, I, I've asked people this, you know, what's your calling? You know, and, and I've heard people asking, you know what the response usually is? I don't know. I have no idea what my calling is. But, you know, this is important, right? Because, you know, calling in the Christian, in the Christian world is your part in the body of Christ. And, but you think about it, it's like, okay, you know what? You know, who's been called in, in, you know, in the Bible? You know, you think about like Moses. 
you know, Moses is, you know, walking along in the burning bush, and he notices it and everything, and he's like, Moses, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, God. And he's like, hey, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, hey, this is what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And, and you know, hashtag let my people go, right? And, uh, and Moses says, that's, that's pretty clear. And, and, and how many of you have had that kind of experience? Right, none of us. I haven't. I haven't had my hashtag let my people go moment either. So what does calling look like? And, and I was thinking about this and through conversations and, and different things. I think a better question might be, what is your caring? What is your caring? Because I think when we think about caring and, and, and think about do I care about the things that God cares about? Do I see the things that God sees? Do I hear the things that God hears? Does my heart break for the things that break God's heart? And do I care enough to do something about it? And I believe that, that you know, your God-given caring is actually your calling. And this, I've seen this play out again and again and again. And I think it might be a better question, at least for our culture, is to ask, you know what? What do you care about? What do you care enough about to sacrifice your time, your money, your position, your, your reputation for the co things that matter to God? You know, I think about you know, different people in our community who, if I asked what is your calling, they probably wouldn't know how to answer that. But I've seen their caring. Martha Hanna, who, who's in Haiti, uh, actually coming back from Haiti right now, that, that you know, she's a nurse practitioner. She, she uh, teaches nursing up in Georgia. And she had a caring I don't know if she necessarily had a calling, but she had a caring to uh, take her skills as a nurse practitioner and a teacher and to teach nurses in Haiti or te teach people in Haiti how to be nurses and then to teach those nurses how to teach other Haitians how to be nurses. And because of that caring, it has become her calling to be the tangible hand of Christ in in Haiti. I think about Lloyd Monroe uh, and, and Ports of Solomon, and they went down to uh, uh, Ponahashel, and they saw single mothers who, who didn't have a place, a home to uh, house their children and to build a household. And, and out of that caring that they started, they moved down there. He sold his law practice and started to care enough that he would go and raise money to build homes for single mothers in Guatemala. And that caring became a calling because he said, you know what? Single mothers matter to God. And I am the expression of good news, an expression of hope in this lost and hurting world. A lot of People don't know that Red Eye Coffee in Midtown that we have uh, started with a caring. You know how Red Eye started? 
Todd Chesum and, uh, and I, uh, he, he was on the launch team here at E3. Uh, when we first started E3, E3 was a week away from financial extinction every single week. Okay? That's just the nature of anything that's, that's starting up. But both Todd and I had a heart to be, have a tangible, have Christ have a tangible presence in, in our ministry. And we couldn't figure out, you know, how can we raise money to help uh, do things uh, here in Tallahassee? You know, f- help people in a tangible way and, and, and through the nation. So we uh, uh, hooked up with a roaster and we uh, started bagging coffee. And we were like the Girl Scouts with coffee, that, that we would sell bags of coffee and all the net profits went to local and global humanitarian efforts so we could be the tangible expression of God. And you think about that and, it, and it, you know, it's grown into, you know, Midtown and, and also, you know, we're opening one right out here in the front of our, our building and, and hopefully we will see Red Eye um, expand and seeing you know, what Red Eye has been able to do, which literally is tens of thousands of dollars over the years to, to uh, local and global uh, gospel-centered uh, humanitarian efforts. Being the tangible hand of Christ. And, you know, if you ask me, Mark, you know, 12 years ago especially, Mark, are, are you called to sell coffee? No. I'm still not called to sell coffee. Our church is not called to sell coffee. But we are called to be the tangible hand of Christ in this lost and hurting world. And you know what? We care enough to take a risk and open up a shop in, in Midtown. We care to expand this. We care enough because we desperately want to bring light into the darkness. We want to bring hope to the hopeless. We want to show caring in a carefree world. And I think by repositioning and rethinking about calling into caring that it is a freedom. Because each and every one of us can answer this question. What do you care about? And then measure that up against God's call for us to make mature, mobilized, fully devoted followers of Christ, to be the tangible hand of Christ, to be the gospel expression in this lost and hurting world. And when your caring and God's caring lines up, that becomes your calling. And when those things line up and the church comes together to support it. It is unstoppable. Again, Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail. And I love that imagery. I love to be a spiritual activist. To going out because, you know what? The whole universe is Christ. And Christ is the head of the church, and the head tells the body what to do. And we as the body can do it. And when the church is working right and and acting and, and conducting itself in a healthy biblical way, there is no more powerful force in the world.
If you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to land here for a little bit. It, the Apostle Paul's writing in Ephesians, and I believe that the Apostle Paul's caring was the body of Christ. To, for the body of Christ to be a united expression of the gospel, the good news, that you do not have to be alone, that there is forgiveness, that there is hope. And Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and in, in starting in verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, where your caring, God's caring and your caring line up. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called into one glorious hope for the future. For there is one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father over all, who is over all and in all and living through all. And I think that this is such a beautiful picture of the church. He's saying, look, you've been all called to this glorious future, and you are all unique, though, as we come together as a body of Christ. There are individuals. We each have individual callings, which is caring. And that when we align ourselves and come together, that you know what? We have to make allowances for one another's faults because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. First time I ever preached on this um, Scripture where it says we are united in Christ. Because of my dyslexia, I read untied. It changes the meaning, right? But people, <laughs> but people made allowances for my faults. Heck, I still mispronounce words all the time. And you guys make allowances for that. You're like, I think I knew what he meant. But it's, you know, right? You're laughing uncomfortably. I know it's true. It was, uh, I've listened to my mom preach and... and and she does the same thing. And there's this one glorious future. So there's this idea, and it's a beautiful idea if you really think about it. And I think the church sometimes misses it. Yes, we are individuals. But we are also one in Christ. And as individuals, we make allowances for one another's faults. And we shore up one another's faults. And where I'm weak, you are strong. And where you are weak, I am strong. And we come together. And somehow, as we come together, we become the very image, the icon of Jesus in this world. That we are carrying out his mission. We are continuing his mission in the world to make himself known. So in verse 7, Paul continues, says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And you skip down to verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ has given to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son 
that we will be matured in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And again, what, what Paul is writing here, again, is this, this, this beauty of, of honoring the individual, but also calling us to unity as we move together. And I believe that the church is truly the only God-ordained organization on earth to speak into every aspect of somebody's life. To encourage people to outbursts of love and good deeds. That, that we have been created to, to speak to somebody's spirit. Speak into somebody's spirit and uh, spiritual life. Their emotional being. Their physical uh, being. Their social um, being that all, all encompasses, and it's not just one person, it's multiple people that we have E3 Fit and uh, to speak into the body and, and nutrition that, that hopefully you're in growth groups and, and through here that we are spiritually fed, hopefully through musical worship and through biblical counseling that we offer that one another, that we're emotionally being uh, fed and and healed, and, and all of these things, and hopefully with our mind intellectually, like with the books that we suggest you read, and, and hopefully you're having stimulating conversation about how do we understand the scope of God? How do we move closer to the heart and mind of God? And this is what it takes all of us as the body of each and every one of us to come together in order to manifest the image of Christ, the church. Verse 14, when this is all working correctly, when we are all sacrificing and making allowances for one another's faults and we are moving forward for this one glorious future, then, verse 14, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work if it helps the other parts grow. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And again, this was the Apostle Paul's caring. And it lined up with God's caring to see his people united and being the expression of Christ in this world. And it became his calling. And this is the high calling of ours. Now in that scripture, it talks about the mission of the church is to equip God's people. And We've been a church for 12 years, and, and this has been something that we're constantly building upon and refining, and, and just because we're constantly wanting to help people move in a healthy direction to, so we can be the full expression of Christ. And through that, we have come up with a discipleship track because the reality is, like in every relationship, they, sometimes relationships get stale and get stagnant, and they stop. And what we've done is, is created this discipleship track to help people continue to grow to the full expression of Christ. 
And this is what it looks like, and this is probably not new to you, but it's good to be reminded that we look at the discipleship track as three different kind of pathways that over the years we've spoken with people who, uh, who are fully devoted followers of Christ. We've listened to people and just trying to hear how do you grow? And the reality is that different people grow different ways and, and, and different people grow in different ways at different times. So we have these uh, uh, different ways that we do this, and I want to go through these because I want to encourage you to be on a discipleship track, to, to jump in on it and to grow spiritually and emotionally and intellectually and physically and socially. So the first one that we talk about is, is stage classes. And these are four basic classes, and this is how we think about it. And we have, a, we have a stage class book. I don't know if you've seen this, but when you join a stage class, uh, you get one of these books. It's pretty new. And the, uh, the first class that we offer is investigate. And investigate is quite simply investigate the claims of Christ. Who did G Jesus say he was? What did he claim, and how do we interact with that? That's the first class. The second class is orientated. It's an orientation to the church, the global church that we're part of, and also just how E3 fits in that. The next one is demonstrate. And demonstrate is a class of how do I use my spiritual gifts and passions and caring and all these kind of things, and how do I discover my part in the body of Christ? And then the uh, last one is invest, or excuse me, is illuminate. And that's just how, how do we as the church be a light in the world? How do we become a church of, uh, of, of invitation and the gospel? So uh, in the, the stage class thing, we have investigate, orientate, demonstrate, and illuminate. And if you're really naughty, then you get invited to excommunicate. And uh, but we don't put that one in the book. So just kidding. We don't have an excommunicate. So, so that's the first thing in the discipleship track. Uh, and if you have, these are constantly evolving. So if you took one of these classes, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago or two years ago, take it again because we are constantly learning and refining and making these things better. We take them very, very serious. The, the next uh, type of things that we uh, try to do is equip classes. Now, equip classes are different than stage classes. Equip classes, um, uh, you go into the class uh, not knowing how to do something, and we equip you to go and do something with that. Some examples of equip classes is Financial Peace University, that you go in perhaps not really knowing how to budget and take care of your finances in a healthy biblical way. And you leave knowing how to budget and to have take control of your finances in a way that honors God. Another class, equipped class, is hermeneutics, which hermeneutics is the art and science of biblical interpretation. And you go in maybe when you open up your Bible, you don't really know how to... Uh, uh, read it and understand it and apply it to your life and, and, and your church. Well, 
you know what? We teach you how to do that. You come in to hermeneutics and, and we teach you, you know, how to, how to properly, you know, interpret scripture and how to apply it to your life. So those are different classes like that. And then finally, uh, in the discipleship track, we have expressions. And expressions are things that you actually do. And, and uh, this is, you know, real simple one is like right now you're expressing your faith in Christ by just being here, or at least expressing the desire to know who Jesus is. So that's an expression to just be at a worship gathering. You know, some of the other expressions could be go on a missions trip or, or join with Serve Tallahassee and, and serve uh, the 76 families that that uh, we're in relationship with in, in, in Frenchtown, or give financially uh, can be an expression of your, of your faith, or uh, join, you know, serving at Red Eye, or, or being on the music team, or the tech team, or, or something. So we have a whole list of, like, just different expressions. Being part of a growth group, you know, just during the week, it's an expression of, like, you know what? I'm expressing... God's desire for me to be in deeper community by being in a growth group. And, and again, you know, growth groups are great um, when things are going well. They're essential when everything falls apart. I mean, if you think about Lori, um, Carl, her husband, and, and, and Jackson, her son, were in Haiti, and, and she got sick and went to the hospital and you know what? She didn't have to call upon the, the organization of the church because she's part of the organism of the church. That she has her people. And her people are caring for her and protecting her and helping her. And yeah, of course, Carl jumped on the first point he could to get back to uh, Tallahassee to be with his wife. But he had no fear that she wasn't being taken care of. Because Lori is part, uh, is part of the church, not just the organization, but the organism, and she has her people. And these are the important things that we should be part of. So as we move forward, I want to really encourage you guys to, to invest and take this kind of this knowledge and to apply it into your life. If you if you're haven't taken a stage class for a long time or have never, sign up for stage classes. And you can do that at the Pathways booth right out there. If you're not part of a growth group, get in a growth group. If you have never taken a equip class, take an equip class. If you're wondering, hey, you know what? How can I express my faith? You know, I want to go on a short-term global outreach mission, or I want to just go, you know, into Frenchtown, or I want to do, you know, this, or do you have any suggestions for me to try? We have lists of things that, that you know what, you don't have to sign up for the rest of your life. You may just, you know, do it once, and, and it maybe it will ignite your caring. Maybe not. But ultimately, to have the freedom to say, you know what, what is my caring, and does that line up with God? And could that ultimately be my calling? So I can be the full part, a full part of the body of Christ. You guys pray with me.